Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. It has been a long time and, uh, since I've been here, and I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the warm welcome back. I, I put on Facebook, if you didn't see it last week, I said, you know, why? why? Just help me understand this. The day, you know, the week before I come back, you did the cookie competition then rather than today. I was like, really? Wow. My wife said, yeah, you didn't even know about it. No, I didn't. And so I got here. I was expecting cookies in the fridge on Monday, and so I opened up the, the fridge. It's like empty. And I'm thinking, really? How, how many of you did that last week, though, the cookie competition? I heard it was just like one of you, two of you. All right. I heard Levi's, my son, should have won, but it didn't. Um, I heard for for hours. But, uh, yeah, they were really good, though, so we got some of his leftovers. Hey, if, if I don't know you, I know a lot of you this morning, uh, maybe you're new here the last couple months, and I'm excited that you've been here without me. And I want to say the reason is because it means that this church is not focused around me, it's focused around Christ. And that's that's what it needs to be. And so that's that's what we are. But I got to tell you, man, this morning, worship-wise, I was just like, I don't need to preach this morning or share. You're probably like, yeah, we'd like that. But but just listening to our worship team and visiting some other churches, I just have to say that, and, and I mean this with all authenticity. I know all your pastors are supposed to say they like their church, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get that. But I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, mean that. Of the churches I've, I've had a chance to visit, do you expect coming out to a church in the sticks like we are and having a worship team like we have? I mean, come on, can we give these guys some accolades? They're... I love it. That uh, I've just missed that. You know, they practiced this morning, and I was just a fly on the wall, just enjoying it. You know, which is awesome. Um, so here's what I want to do. I, I kind of have I have like two hours worth of material that I want to break down into about half an hour for you. So I'm going to go kind of quick. Is that okay with you? All right, cool. Um, first of all, I want to just say a huge thank you to a few people, a few key people, because every person here the last three months was really a rock star, okay? Uh, we do lead team meetings once a month, and we hand out rock star energy drinks. I could really give that to every person here. Um, I want to pick on a few. One is is my wife. My wife has been an all-star the last couple of months, and so she's... Uh, She is my better two-thirds, not in the weight category, but other categories. Um, you'll get that. And uh, anyway, she she said to me, she said, I really want to be there during your sabbatical, which is not typical if you know, of a, you know what sabbatical is. It's usually the whole family takes it off. And she said, no, I want to be here. I want to be with our, our church family. I want to be with our church friends. And I want to be with our kids, making sure that we're coming every week. And so she really stepped into that. Um, our worship team, a big hand to Matt and Kristen for stepping it up as well. Um, Matt, you know, Matt's a close friend of mine. We're, we're, we're besties, okay? And, uh, yeah, we're BFFs. And this week was the first time that we've, you know, talked in the last three months. And so we just connected Wednesday night. I was planning that we'd have an hour and a half dinner. I think we had like a three and a half hour dinner, just connecting and, and just talking and learning about what was happening. One of the coolest things, and this is how you know, um, Matt and Kristen are both quality leaders, is they've really enabled and empowered this team because you have a lot of other people that can lead and have really um, been able to take the reins. And so just kudos to you guys for training up such an awesome team. It's very impressive. Um, our elders who have uh, Tom, uh, Dick, and Lori who have really uh, ran the backside of the church uh, 
for May, June, and July. Each one of them was responsible for one month, and they did a great job. Can we just give them a big round of applause this morning? Thank you, guys. And uh, um, it, it's just awesome. And then every person here um, that's just a volunteer, a person that um, has made this church the home, that's what makes this church great. It's not, it's not the building. It's not me. It's really you. And so can we just give ourselves a round of applause this morning? Um, we didn't miss a beat. Things got done. Things got taken care of. In fact, I just want to say thank you. Uh, this is our, we're going into our sixth year as a church come this fall. Six years. Oh, come on. And, uh, we got a lot to be excited about. And, and here's what's interesting. In our six years as a church, this last summer, though the pastor was away, we have had our highest giving of any summer of any time, okay? So thank you for your commitment to Christ. It's about Him, and that's just, that's just a huge, huge blessing that allows us to do, uh, what God is calling us to do. And so it just shows many have chosen to tithe and, and, you know, take their commitment to Christ to a whole new level. I kind of, I have to tell you, I kind of felt like the dad, like, I know a lot of you are probably a little older than I am, okay? But I felt, I've kind of felt like the dad and you're like my children and I was away, okay? Some of you are like, there's, that just doesn't work. I, I know, I know. But I was away and I kind of came back and after talking to my wife and Matt and the elders and, and just, just a few people, I really felt like everybody stepped up. It was almost like you guys were like, we just want to make Pastor Chris proud. And, and I just want to say, you don't have to do anything to make me proud. Just, just who you are, that this group of people I, I have missed more than you could possibly know. And, uh, I just want to say thank you, okay? You know, I, I feel like the proud father. Just don't call me Father Chris, all right? That'd be weird. Just Chris is great. But I am. I'm just, I'm proud of you, and I just want you to know that. I, I bragged on you this summer, uh, big time with many different people, uh, many different churches. And so I want to say thank you for allowing me this time off with sabbatical. Maybe you're like, I don't even know what a sabbatical is. Chris has been on vacation fishing every day. Dick was picking on me this morning. He said, yeah, I'm going on sabbatical next week. I'm spending time with God. I'm going fishing. And, uh, you know, he said, how do you balance between your kids and you? You know, you're going fishing, spending time with God. Your wife is at church. And to be honest, you can find God in both places, all right? Amen, in the fishing boat. And uh, you can, but there's something about doing church together with, with people. And there's always room for more people at the Bridge Church. You know, I love what Paul says in Hebrews. He says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit doing let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I believe that Paul was really ta- saying, you know what? We need leaders, we need people, but we need the church to be the church. And I believe we are. And so thank you for this time on sabbatical, this time away. It's allowed me to do a couple different things. Um, the first is really this. It allows me to have a different perspective on the bridge. That, that's one of the things. And if, if you get the weekly update, I know sometimes, I know life happens, we don't have a chance to read everything in there. But I wrote a, a very personal letter to all of you in there. If you have time to read it, great. But I really pulled out a couple of things. And one of those things was this. As our church, um, the people here, you gain a different perspective. And if you're at the foothills of the mountain versus on the mountaintop, it's a different view, isn't it? If you're on the diff- if you're up on the top of the mountain versus the bottom of the mountain, it's a different view. And it just, it just showed me really how great how great we have it. You know, we talk, we get together, we have lead, lead team meetings, and, and we discuss things. We talk about, you know, what can we improve on? How can we make our Sunday service be- better? How can we make sure that we're, we're geared towards the visitor and the guest? You know, we talk about all of this, and really, 
where we're at is a really good place. Like God has really brought us to a unique place, and I believe God's going to continue to build on that foundation. That's the first part. Here's the second part with that. And am I, if I'm going too fast, if I'm not, say you're good. Okay. Um, the second part is this. I'm just excited. So it's probably going to come out pretty fast this morning. Is uh, one of the things God really spoke to me during this sabbatical, and much of it was spent writing. Uh, I finished my master's degree. I don't have the papers yet. Where I wrote a book that's in its second edit. It's really geared towards church leaders um, and church pastors and ministers um, who are getting ready to plant a church and what that looks like. But one of the things, one of the overwhelming themes for me personally and us as a church is really something that I haven't been that good at. And I want to make sure that we're, we're great at it. I, I believe we have a lot of key leaders here that are really good at this. And that's really putting Christ as the center. In fact, I need to ask your forgiveness as a church because I don't feel that I always do. Not that Christ isn't an important part of my life, but sometimes I get so caught up in doing church that I forget that Christ is the center of the church. And, and we have to remain focused on that fact. That it's not about our great strategy. It's not about all those great things. It's about the fact that we don't exist without Christ as the center. And so I got really, it's really simple, but to me, you know, some messages will tack on Jesus at the end. Hey, you know, let's give Jesus some accolades. But really, he needs to be the center focus of everything that we do. That's why we exist. And uh, it's just something God spoke to me. Um, the other part here, just a couple of vision things, uh, is is this. Um, we, you know, it, it is summer. I've been away. Um, but we're not going to let that stop us. In fact, we're going to continue to plan for growth. We're going to continue to plan for what God wants to do here. Um, coming September 11th, it's the week after Labor, ba- Labor Day, we're going to head back to our two service times, 9.30 and 11. And you might say, why are we doing that, Pastor Chris? Well, really, uh, the Baptist General Conference has done some great research. And anytime you go to multiple services, it always impacts eternity pos- positively. And so we're going to do that. It's not about it's not about us. I hate to break it to us, but it's about those that don't yet know Christ, right? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's why we exist as a church. And so we always want room for one more. Um, it brings different options when there's a 9.30 and 11 as well. And then the other thing that I want to do that God really spoke to me about is taking risks. Who are my risk takers? Any risk takers? I used to not be a risk taker. I thought, I'd plan a church time out. What is that? That's crazy. And now it's like, you know what? What next can we do as a church? And just to get you caught up here, we have over 22,000 towards our parking lot that we got to get done. And so thank you guys for your commitment there. Uh, we're meeting with engineers right now. We're actually designing a new plan uh, that's going to be cheaper in the long run. We're trying to get all that figured out. Uh, we also have right now, you ready for this? We need to raise $30,000 before we plant our first church. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere, but we're finding a leader that we can plant, we can get behind. We can even take people from our church and say, we want to get behind what you're doing we need to raise $30,000 in that, and there's already over $13,000 in that account for that set aside. Come on, church. That's awesome. The number one greatest way of reaching people is through church planning in America. There's no greater way, and so we want to be a part of that if that's what God is doing. Um, some of the other risks I want to take is this. And you guys know my heart. My heart is for this community. My heart is for people in St. Francis and the surrounding community to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Does that hope happen overnight in our community? No, it doesn't. Okay, we're in this for the long haul. We're six years old. We're no longer an infant. We're a toddler. We're going into first grade. Okay? All right? That's where we're at. That's good. That's a good place to be. But I want to ask you this. I want to scare you a little bit this morning before I jump into the message, and that's this. What if, what if the community would say, you know what? Rather than go to the government, we're going to go to the bridge church for help. What if they said that? 
And what if we could actually help them? Okay? The second part is this. There are 2,260 homes in St. Francis. If I go and I knock on every single door, and let's just say 10% of the people come, and you say invite them to our September 18th six-year service, that is approximately 750 people. If just 10% come, church, are we ready for that? I need you to get ready. I need you to get ready for what God wants to do. And it's not about 750 people. It's about each person's story. It's about each person's change in life when they give their life to Christ and they're discipled through a process getting to know Jesus along their way. That's the only way to heaven. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to do. You with me? Awesome. All right. So the last thing I want to say is this. If you haven't been here before, if you're new, um, one of the things we like to say right here is our mission statement. We are a life-giving church. Say with me. We're a life-giving church. Okay, we're a life-giving church. What does that mean? I hear that a little bit. Well, really, it means we're not going to pound you over the head with, you got to give, or we're going to pound you over the head, you got to serve. No, we'll, we'll let the Holy Spirit do that. He's way better at it than we are, okay? And so we just take a step back and say, we're not going to hound you into anything, and then we're going to be grace-driven, all right? Grace. It's all about grace to me. And uh, I was thinking, I want to be Christ-centered, and at the same time, someday, we're all going to stand before God. I know it's a scary thought. I pray it's a long time for all of us. But someday we're going to stand before him and God's going to, you know, look at us and maybe I, sometimes I go, what's the criticism God's going to have for me? What's the feedback? I don't know if that, that scares, like, scares me to death. And I think, you know what? I would rather have Jesus say to me, man, you were way too gracious in life than man, you were way too critical and judgmental. That's what I want. And so I want to make sure we are life-giving through through the eyes of grace as well. So, hey, we're entering a new series. You guys with me? We good to be we good to be back together? Is that good? All right. Can we just give God some praise then as we jump in this morning? Come on. Okay, so we're entering this new series called Bizarre Stories. How many have ever read some bizarre things in the Bible? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you've never read the Bible. Um, that was a trick question. Here's the deal. In the Bible, there are crazy things. In fact, guys, here's one for you. If you go to Proverbs chapter 21 or Proverbs chapter 29, there's actually a scripture in there that says it's better to live on the corner of a house than with a quarrelsome wife. Use that one. It's great, okay? Don't ever use that one. Don't ever use it. In fact, next week, and we're going to unpack these the next few weeks, we're going to look at the craziest stories we're going to look at stories that when you go and you look at like pastors' comments, pastors won't even comment on these because they're too scared to talk about them, okay? And, and one of them is next week. It's probably the scariest story. Most pastors won't even touch it. And here, I'll give you just a little hint to what it is. There's a king in the Old Testament that wants to marry somebody, and he goes to his soon-to-be father-in-law, and he asks his father-in-law, he says, what can I bring you as a dowry to marry your daughter? And what his father-in-law-to-be says you need to bring me is the craziest thing you will ever read, okay? And so uh, just come back next week. You won't even believe we're talking about that in church. It's going to be fun. But today's message is this. Jesus wants control. Ah, thanks, Chris. Great, great to have you back. Don't want to hear about that. We like control, don't we? As humans, Okay. 2% of us said, yeah, 98% of us lied. We, we like, we like that control. We want everything. We want our ducks in a row. I do. I like everything just, just lined up just perfectly. Okay. But Jesus wants control. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have kids with diapers still? <laughs> Praise God, you don't. <laughs> Those of you that have kids with diapers, you're like, 
We, when Heather and I had our first child, and uh, JC's not with us this morning, so I didn't have her permission to ask, so if she's listening to the podcast, I love you. Um, we had her, our first firstborn, and JC had this like, like flagellancy issue, okay? <laughs> like big time. And you'd sit her down, and we used to have this little exosaucer. If you don't know exosaucer, you put the kid in there, and they dance, they play toys when they're trying to learn how to walk. And we sit her in there, and, and I listen, and I hear just, I just hear, on low. And uh, I go over and I'm looking and here's my daughter. She's just smiling ear to ear. Everything's funny. And she unloaded her pants. And for those of you who have kids in diapers, does the diaper always catch everything? Does sometimes it catch nothing? She sprayed out and she's just sitting there and it's just like just drooping down her her pants. So anyway, you learn that you always bring a diaper bag with you wherever you go. And so we, we lived really close to the library. We get in our car. We're heading to the library. We forget the diaper bag. And you have a choice to make as a parent. Do you gamble or do you go back and get the diaper bag? We gambled and we lost. <laughs> we get to the library. We go inside. And I'm carrying JC right here. And, and, and I hear her just, just on load. It's like, you didn't have Taco Bell yet. Like, it's just, you know. And and I'm like, oh, no. And I'm thinking, please, God, let that diaper catch whatever that was, because that doesn't even sound human, you know. And and I look down, and, and I can start to feel my arm getting warm, you know. And I look, and you know, kind of like if you ever do watercolors on a napkin or a, or a coffee filter, you see it kind of spread. I'm looking right on my shirt, and I can just see, like, this, right, this brown water just spreading. And I'm like, this this is unbelievable. Totally I'm out of control. I walk up, I find Heather's checking out a book. I'm like, we got to go. You know, and so I bring JC out to the, our, our car and here she, and we don't have a diaper bag. I have nothing to change her with, you know? And so I rip off my shirt. Okay. Now, for those of you that don't understand this, I'm a big guy. Okay. We don't like ripping off our shirts in public. All right. I'm like, I, this is out of my control. I don't have a choice. So I rip off my shirt. I put it on the, you know, on the little car seat and, and I'm looking at my daughter in her eyes and I'm like, I feel like I'm committing child abuse right now. I'm like, I'm about to set you in the warmest pile of poo you've ever been in. Just, just right there. You know, we get home, Heather wiped my shirt and laundry. But I'm sitting there shirtless, like, I need to get home quick. I need a shirt on uncomfortable out in public. Let's, let's go. Have you ever been in one of those situations like that? It's totally out of your control. You, come on. Some of us have been there. It's, it was, it was just crazy. I think God likes to get us there a lot of times. Um, Mark chapter 11, we're going to read. Here we go. Mark chapter 11, this is the weird story, bizarre story of the Bible. Maybe it's not bizarre to you, it's bizarre to me. Go ahead and toss it up. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 14. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seen in the distance a what? A what? A what? Come on. One more time, everybody, come on. That's better. Fig tree in leaf. I don't have fig newtons for it. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Interesting. Then he said to the tree, this is Jesus' words, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Is Jesus a jerk? Like when I read this for the first time, I'm like, like, who are you? You know, like, yeah, that tree's not producing, curse you, you know, like, Really? Who, and it was like one of the most bizarre stories for me to ever, to ever realize that I was actually reading it wrong for years. Now, I'm not a horticulturalist, okay? And so let's give some helpful horticulture this morning for all of us. Jesus approaches this tree to find some fruit on it, and a tree, a tree, a fig tree actually, and I didn't know this, 
produces the fig before it produces the leaf many times. Did you know that? Makes a little more sense now, doesn't it? It's like, oh, Jesus isn't a jerk. I love him still. Okay? It has been asked, how could God, how could Jesus expect to find ripe figs? This was the end of March. It's because figs were ripe in Judea as early as the Passover, right around that time. And so he was expecting it to have fruit on it. Now I have four main points this morning I want to give you. Here's number one, is this. The only way God can show us his control is to put us in situations we can't control. That's what he does. Well, I signed up for that. Thank you, Jesus. The, dis- the disciples, they couldn't control Jesus' blessing or his cursing. They're walking along and Jesus decides to curse this tree. Disciples had no control. They're just, they said, you know, years ago, they're like, sure, I'll give my net away. I'm not going to be a fisherman. I'll be a fisherman of men. I'll follow you, Jesus. That's what I'll do. And so they're just following Jesus. Like disciples with just blinder, tunnel vision. I'm going to go after you no matter what. And that's what they did. And so Jesus could curse what he wanted to. Jesus has this total control. He has perfect timing. His ways are incredibly perfect. His grace is perfect. In fact, he's the perfect answer to any pain, but he's also the perfect praise to any blessing. That's who Jesus is. But he wants us to get out of the driver's seat. He wants us to give that to him. Um, for me, that was airplanes, flying. I don't know if you like to fly. I love to fly. I've flown with a few of you a few times, and, and I get a little nervous when I get on the plane. Then I love it. Why? Are you in control at all of that airplane? None. And I think to myself mentally, I go like, worst case scenario, what happens if this pilot had a few brewskis today? You know, what happened if this was the pilot that missed somehow landing an MSP and ended in Milwaukee? You know, what, what, this is not a roller coaster at Valley Fair. We're not connected to anything. If there's a malfunction, I'm dead. You know? (laughs) You know, this is why John Madden, the great football announcer, he doesn't go on planes ever. Because it's hard for him to give up control. Number two is this. God wants what I call spiritual fruits, not religious nuts. How many? (laughs) Some of you are like, I know a few of each category we're thinking right now. You see, the fig tree puts forth that fruit, and afterwards, then it's leaves. The tree um, is supposed to have fruit on it all year round. Okay, The tree, it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. And so Jesus didn't cut it down with an axe. He didn't cut it down with a saw. He cut it down with faith, and we'll read about that in just a moment. But Jesus used this story or this parable, parable to teach his disciples and all of us today that the outward appearance of a disciple of Christ doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But what really counts isn't even what's on the inside. What really counts is if one produces godly fruit in his life or not. Are you producing fruit? Are you a spiritual fruit? Are we religious nuts? There's a big difference. John chapter 15, verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, Jesus' words, that you what? You bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Well, what does it mean to bear fruit? It means that God can come and what we're doing is what he's asking us to do. We're not only saying we're Christians, we're living out. We're not saying we're the church, we're living out being the church. This is what he's asking for us. So right after Jesus curses this fig tree, just imagine yourself a disciple. They're left hanging. It doesn't, he doesn't curse it and the tree doesn't instantly die. As a disciple, you're going, Jesus, what's up? You jerk. You know? Really? Jesus, what? What Jesus was doing, he was attempting two things together here to prove his point. 
It says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2, he dug it all around. This is a prophecy. He removed its stones, and he planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the middle of it, and also hewed out a vine vat in it. Then, check this out, he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. And I said, well, what does that have to do with the fig tree? Here's what happened after the fig tree. Jesus is with his disciples, and Jesus, they're all following him, and he goes, you know where he goes to next? Anyone remember? Where does he go to next? He goes to the temple. And he goes into the temple just as he has talked about this fruit tree not producing fruit. And it was a judgment on all of Israel saying, I came back. I'm Jesus. I'm God in the flesh. And I came back expecting to see the Jewish people, the apple of my eye, producing fruit. I expect them to be out sharing their faith with others. I expect them to not just be hanging out at the temple changing money. And he shows up there and they're changing money. You know, and they're making a profit on this. And he gets there. And Jesus wasn't a jerk. Jesus was ticked. He gets into that temple. What does he do? He takes their tables and he throws them over. There's just moments after he was with the disciples at the fig tree. Both the same story, talking about the Israelites were no longer producing the fruit that he was expecting them to produce. And so we can have spiritual fruit or we can be religious nuts. The Pharisees, the Jews at that time, they were religious nuts. They said all the right things. They did all the right things. They did communion at the right time. They did communion the right way. They made sure to have the chairs organized. They made sure to have everything printed right. They made sure to have the right media. But they forgot the heart of it, and that's Christ at the center. It was that simple. Number three is this. God will take you places you don't understand just to bring you to the place where he wants you to be. Before we planted the church, if you were to talk to Heather and I ten years ago saying, are you guys going to plant a church someday? I see are you crazy? If you can do anything else besides planting a church, we were told to do it. We couldn't. God just spoke to us. We knew that. But before we got here, we ended up in Eden Prairie. I'm going, what are we doing? Eden Prairie is like a curse word in my vocabulary, okay? I like St. Francis, all right? We're a different breed of people up here. These are my people. I get along here. I can't wear true religion skinny jeans. It doesn't work, all right? It's not happening. And so, for me, it's like, this is where I want to be. You can wear a flannel shirt, and that's styling, all right? You can drive your tractor to church, and that's okay. This is my people, all right? So I'm going, what am I doing in Eden Prairie? Well, for those three years, man, the pastor that I worked with, he poured time and effort into me, developing me, training me. He's still a mentor of mine. He gave me leadership books and things that I had gone through that if we did not go through, there's no way we'd be here right now. We'd have closed the doors years ago because we want to know what the heck we're doing, okay? Now we, we don't know what the heck we're doing, but we have a little help. So that's good, all right? Okay. Mark chapter 11, verse 20 through 21. Here's the finish of the story. It says, In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree writhered from the roots. Just imagine that. They just see Jesus curse it. They go to the temple. Jesus gets mad at all the Israelites. They come back the next day after they sleep. They walk by. They see the fig tree withered from its roots. And then Peter. Peter's my favorite. Oh, man. just I love this. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Well, gee, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> really? You know, Peter, Peter's like that, though, you know? They're out, and Jesus calms the storm. Peter's like, look, he calmed the storm. It's like Captain Obvious announces, you know? But what happens to Captain Obvious later? He denies Christ three times. Here he is walking as a disciple. And yet God still had the grace to bring him back. 
he made this fig tree an example. Okay, not to the other trees, but to the men of that generation and to the men of our generation, to the women of our generation. It was a figure of the doom upon the Jewish church if they didn't get it right, to which he came seeking fruit, but he found none. My prayer is that when Jesus comes, and I believe he's here all the time, he's omnipresent, when he comes in and he looks at us, I want him to be able to find fruit. I want him to be like, yes, good job. Because if he wasn't finding fruit, we wouldn't exist. There's no reason for us to. He wants us to be fruit-producing Christians. Last one is this. Everybody say number four. Come on, everybody. Say number four. All right, there we go. That's better. Live in such a way. Check this out. It's a little tongue twister. Live in such a way who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. It's a little tongue twister. Okay. Basically, I'm saying people will come to know God because of who you are. They're going to come to know God because of your actions, how you respond, how you treat others. Are we, are we like Christ with flesh on? Is that who we are? Fruit trees, fruit tree growers, excuse me, know that an ordinarily small amount of fruit ripens prior to the main crop. It even happens here, okay? It's referred to as what's known as the first fruits. You've heard of first fruits before. We, we talked about that with the tithe, bringing the first 10% to the church. When Jesus approached the tree, it was the time of the first fruits. Okay? He knew that. I want you to check this out. Okay? It's a little deep here for a moment, but Jesus knew that he wanted to see this true tree produce fruit. He knew that it might produce fruit, but the real issue was that it wasn't producing its first fruits. The first part, the dedication to Christ, the first part, it wasn't, it wasn't doing its job. And so he cursed the tree, it died, and we read about that. But it wasn't time yet for the main harvest. Jesus is looking for us to say yes to him in small ways so that someday we can say yes to him in bigger ways. Let me ask you this question. Let's just be real for a moment. You know, I've really been praying about St. Francis, praying about the church, spent a lot of time the last, last three months. And one of the things, I think you'll agree with me, is if you were going to go to a church uh, plant, you would not say, Send me to St. Francis to go plant the church. It's not your typical place that church planters sign up for. Because some of the, to- some of the soil in St. Francis, it's tough soil to get into. Would you agree with me? It's, it's, sometimes you might even invite your friends to church and they might look at you like, I'm never going there. Mm, they don't have to. Church just came to them now. Okay? And we have different soil here. And that's okay. But I believe that as we give our first fruits, as we start sowing seed and we let God reproduce in that seed, eventually, you know what happens to that seed? It finds its way into the cracks. It finds its way into the foundation of our community. It finds its way into your neighbors. Eventually, God will utilize that. But he's looking for that first fruit so that he can see later on on that tree a harvest. And he wasn't seeing that with, with the Jewish people. And so he used that as an example for us. Christ, let me say this, Christ died for all of us in public, so that we don't live for him in private, okay? He died for us in public, so let's not live for him in private. You know, we're called to be fertilizer. We're called to not be weed killers or weed destroyers. We're not even called to be the ones to cut down the tree. We're just called to be fertilizers of that seed. The seed is not us. The seed is Jesus. And we're called to water that seed. We're called to be those fruit growers. And praise God, it's symbolic, because if you came to our backyard and saw our garden of stickers, you know that we're not the right ones. We have black thumbs. Luke 9.56 says, Jesus' work is not to destroy, but to save. 
Micah chapter 7 says, God delights in mercy. Ezekiel 33, it talks about how God has no pleasure in death or destruction. In Isaiah 28, it says destruction is actually strange to God. It's a concept that God cannot grasp. He has no desire for us to spend an eternity away from him. He has no desire for our neighbors or our community to spend an eternity away from him either. But he wants us to be his first fruits. I'm going to invite our, our worship team up here as we close our service. Here's, here's my dare for you today. I think sometimes if we were a disciple of Jesus in the olden days, it would have been easier to say, hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to leave everything because now you have nothing to worry about. You're just following after Christ. It's easy to give up control. But how much more difficult is it for us today to say, Jesus, I give you full control. You know, what if Jesus spoke to you? What, you know, what if the church were to plant the pastor was in our midst right now? Just, just do this for a moment. I know this might feel uncomfortable. But just look around for a moment. What if the next pastor of a church we plant is in here right now? Some of you are like, I'm not even going to look. Maybe it's you. I don't know. God uses this story to show us that we need to give him control in our lives. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we hold on to things that he doesn't want us to. But he wants us to be that first fruit so that we can see that harvest happen. Would you guys stand to your feet this morning? Let's pray. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.